Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Tom Spence, Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're redesigning humans. Now, Nick... You came up with this topic, and it's obvious why. It's evident. Um, so, what is what is it? I mean, I can. You must have lived with this burden for years. What would you like to read? Yeah. Well, I mean, specifically, yeah. Right. The the other day, I was uh, I just got all nice and snuggled up in bed. Yeah. And then I thought, ah, oh, what do you know? I need a wee. Mm. So, uh, and it turned out my water bottle was empty at the same time. So I went down to the toilet. I filled up my water bottle from the. Well, tap, if it was empty, you're fine. You the can fill it right there. Yeah. Anyway. And uh, and then I separately I did a wee into the, into the toilets. And then it struck me I had a brainwave. I thought this is so inefficient. I'm just replacing the water that I'm weeing out. So uh, why don't I just stop drinking water and weeing? Yes. But anyway, it turns out that's not as easy as you might think. But uh, it did occur to me, you know, why don't we think of ways that we could make the, all these inefficiencies about mm. our body, probably. Mm. Like, could, could we, if we, were des- if we were being intelligent designers, mm. instead of just letting natural selection do the job, could we, are there some fixes we could make? How could we make humans more efficient? What would we do? What would be right. the top of the list? I like it. What would go on the backlog? What did God do wrong and let's yeah, get it fixed? Yeah. Um, and um, he's not the designer he's cracked up to be, maybe. <laughs> um, it sounds like this should be fixing physiology, right? Not fixing biology. I mean, because oh, well, we, we're, we're talking about humans. Human physiology. humans, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, well, thank goodness we've got an expert Oh, here. but I do have Sorry. a rule. Oh, yeah. It's got to be physically possible. You're not allowed to redesign. You're not allowed no to say. No sci-fi. Yeah, you're not allowed to say. Well, I'm going to make them telepathic or something. You've got to. You know, it's got to be. You've got to have a mechanism which is physically possible, and you've got to propose what that mechanism. But if is. it's physically possible, then it's then we can do it. And it's. I mean, why haven't right. people done it? Right. right. No, I'm just saying. You could, we're not allowed to suggest fixes that require unknown technology. This it's, has to this be is within, real practical me, stuff here. Then, as though what what we're suggesting is. What what are the best bits of comparative physiology from around the animal kingdom that we could merge together okay. and create the optimal creature in a kind of ghastly chimera of like with the head of a lion and the foot of exactly. an ant? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and a, the and, digestive and the tract of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the hair of Peter Coghill. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just say that there's an obvious comeback. I mean, you know the. Um, I, can't, I can't be bald, my hair. I make bald jokes enough, right? Give me a break, actually. And um, getting old, yeah, new material, yeah, yeah. Um, no such thing as old material. Need no. Anyway, look, I think we're Not very your well, jokes for you. No, no. <laughs> I think we're very All well qualified. We're very well qualified for this because I'm a theologian. You're a kind of economisty type person. There's an engineer, and we've got a biologist as well. No, biology, well, zoology. I can't remember. Partial biology. No, actually, no, you. What am I on about? You're a chemist, aren't you? I, I was a chemist, but uh, my university was a, a broad-based one, so I did a lot of biology in, in my first okay, year. No, he's clearly year. not qualified for this conversation, no. but we are. Um, okay, look. How do we kick off? Where do we want to go? Well, Tom um, was. I do. Do you know why we do wheeze? Can you explain why this wheeze thing is? I can. Going on? Yeah. So. Um, when you break down things like proteins uh, in your body, in your metabolic pathways that have nitrogen in them, uh, you produce nitrogenous so waste. Just out of interest, why would I be doing that? Uh, because you, you need to for, for various uh, mechanisms. So you can do it to break down uh, energy, um, or to create energy. Right, rather. so I eat some pasta, yeah. I've got to break down some proteins. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, to, so that we can absorb the proteins ourselves, you mean? Or no, so this is, this is after that. You. You have large chains of amino acids that make up proteins. 
um, in the food you eat and so on and so forth. You break those down into individual amino acids. A lot of those amino acids you then use to build your own proteins. Um, you put them together in different ways and so on. Some of them you break down to make other things. So you can, you know, chop the nitrogen off, stick the ends together, turn it into something else. Oh, that's pretty cool. So we're kind of reusing some bits which are not directly... Right. Yeah, that, that sort of process... Uh, so several of the metabolic pathways in the body produce nitrogenous waste. So waste containing nitrogen. And in, uh, in the animal kingdom, there are a range of ways that uh, organisms have developed to get rid of this nitrogenous waste because it's pretty toxic if you keep it in your body. Uh, it's powerful antioxidant behavior, so too powerful, essentially. And if you let it build up, you'll probably die. So it's, it basically is going to go around grabbing oxygen from actually your, like, things like your brain. Uh, yeah, essentially. Right. Are we still talking about why we need to wee? Yes, yes. give him a chance. Right? Yes. I'm just making sure. Um, so uh, turns out biology is quite complicated. Yeah, phrase. you need yeah. to stick with it. Yeah, you, if you can't no. write it on the back of a stamp, he's no. not interested. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I, I recommend to you some of the posters you can buy of all the metabolic pathways in the body with <laughs> the tiniest, uh, tiniest fonts because there's just yeah, so we'll, much we'll going put a on. Link, I think. Hmm. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so a few different ways you can get rid of these nitrogenous waste products. You can excrete them as ammonia, which mm -hmm. you may be familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, Smelly compound, quite volatile. Put it on insect bites. Yeah, yeah. Use it, use it in rocket engines. It, all sorts of purposes. Right. Um, you can uh, excrete it as urea. So you can turn it from ammonia into urea and then excrete it. That's mm. what we humans do. Mm. Or you can turn it from ammonia to urea to uric acid and excrete it. So each of those steps takes energy. Mm. So getting it all the way to uric acid takes the most energy. But each step also makes it easier to get rid of. So the right. uh, ammonia is really hard to get rid of. You need a lot of water to flush ammonia out of your system. Or you need, still need quite a lot of water to get urea out of your system. And uric acid, you don't need much water at all. So based on the availability of energy and water, different organisms have got different ways of getting rid mm. of it. Fish, and almost all fish, excrete as uh, ammonia because they've got a lot of water. You know, They, they yeah. live in it. There's plenty of water. Mammals tend to excrete as uh, urea. Is that what I was doing when I went to the exactly. toilet? Right. Weeing. Um, because water is fairly plentiful on land most of the time. Um, and energy is reasonably plentiful as well. Uh, birds tend to excrete as uric acid. Because, you know, up in the air, they can't, they can't drink that often, right? Mm. Um, so they need to conserve more water. And so they do that at the cost of using more energy to turn yeah. their nitrogenous waste into a but, product. But like, I guess from an economics point of. of view, the energy they would need to expend to get the water is more than the energy it costs them to turn it into uric acid. Exactly. Got it. So that's all about we economics. So this usual. is easily fixed, your weeing problem, Nick. Basically, you either need to start living in a tank of water... Or you need to sprout wings and fly. Yeah, we'll spice but, some bird DNA in with you. Yeah, exactly. Because unfortunately, the problem with all these facts and, and knowledge and stuff is actually it gets in the way. No, of, I, I think this is really good, actually. Yeah? Because that gives us a bit... You know, that, that tells us what the physical constraints are, right? We've right. got this problem that we, we're not going to be able to do anything about this nitrogen. Mm. This nitrogen seems to be the big problem. There's mm. no getting around that. So mm. the question is, how do you get rid of yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's and, why Nick's suggestion of just not weeing... Mm. It wasn't an option because you I'll have to die. get rid of it somehow. Right, but you are we inevitably dying? Dying great what? pain as your kidneys failed. Are we well, going to make an some observation. biological roadblock? No, here no, that because I've got. I want to make an observation, right? Yeah. 
which is that as it happens, and this is just going with where we are now as a species, we have worked out how to get abundant energy. So I'm inclined to say that whenever we've got an option, while we're discussing options, if there's something where it's like, okay, the optimal solution in the evolutionary environment is a certain thing, we should be now, we should say, well, let's throw some more energy at it. So we might have evolved in a situation where we didn't have enough energy to go for the uric acid option. Mm -hmm. But now I want to say, well, look, we've got pizza, we've got pizzas that cost £10 and feed you for a day. Mm -hmm. So so we can just, can we now cut, what would it look like if we were excreting uric acid? How often, how much of a saving would that well, be in terms of trips um, to the toilet? You, I mean, you know, you know bird poo? Mm. Right. Just that kind of you know yeah. much sort of it's slimier, thicker. Yeah. Which, but they have a cloaca, which is like a combined um, you, oh, you, oh, oh. You, we we yeah. and poo hole at the same an time. An all-purpose hole. <laughs> yeah. Would we need one of those, or could we? Not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not certain. I don't think so. It's literally just which hole it goes out of, right? Yeah. Um, so you could probably just have it rooted into the existing ducts. Right. Although I don't like the idea of squeezing bird poo out of my old chat, but uh, <laughs> maybe uh, the other way. Yeah. But maybe actually, we it the other way. Let's, let's, let's send it out of the back. Yeah. I think that's. I think maybe the other way. Bring it in. Um, <laughs> Sucking okay. it up through. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that's an interesting one. Look. Okay. I mean, um, is there more to explore in this aspect where we were talking about the whole weeing problem? But um, do we want to keep on going that, find a solution? Or there, are there other things we want to bring in that we want to change? Uh, I've got one. I do have one thing to, let's to suggest, have, but I think, yeah. Let's I'll, have I'll Peter then back there. to Nick. Yeah, well, there, there are all sorts of weird constructions within the mammalian body, and let alone other animals. For example, like the, the laryngeal nerve, right? Mm. Connects, go, plugs into your spinal column and provides signals to your larynx, and your throat for swallowing and talking. Mm. It's kind of a key nerve, right? Mm. Very short trip from where it comes, sprouts out of the um, uh, out of the spinal column and goes into services the parts of the body it needs it's connected to. However, it takes a very circuitous route, goes down into the middle of your chest, loops around your aorta, and comes back up. Again. Oh, and that's and that's a sort of like a historical evolutionary weirdness. So back in the you know back in the uh, when we were sort of like fishy like creatures we we did it, the, the heart was in a different place and had a different altogether different construction and was much closer to where the the two connections were made mm. it's just that as we've we've evolved the way that it's the way that it's sort of plumbed has not sort of there's no there's no intelligence about it it can't sort of say oh well actually we can take a shorter route we'll just swap it over here mm. it's sort of so the, as the heart moved down, this nerve had to continue to stretch and loop around, mm, which mm. makes and it's that, and that has a real practical problems for during heart surgery and aortic surgery. That's a real uh, key thing that you mustn't touch because mm. you can you can paralyze the patient's neck and, and larynx, and mm, they mm, mm. stop being okay. able to talk. So it's like that, and that's biologically potentially quite an easy fix because all we need to do is intervene in fetal development and change the order in which things occur so mm. have the have the heart develop a, a, a famously stage. simple process yes. yeah. Yeah. Let's oh, just, yeah yeah let's do that yeah. what, what do we do, we do after okay breakfast? conceptually <laughs> simple where you just we just change the flip the order in which things uh, develop so we have the have the the nerve develop before the before the heart structure does actually i think i think this is a particularly interesting example because it's also something that we see a lot in in statistical analysis and so on is that what's happened there is you found a local minimum mm. the you know moving the the or oh, evolving the nerve to a different place would 
take you through much worse situations where it goes through the aorta yeah, or, yeah. or you know there's a or hole the two in the ends aorta. don't connect up or so something yeah the barriers to what may be a better state are so high that you can't really move through them in evolutionary terms at least not easily Mm. Um, yeah and I think there's quite a lot of things that fall into that category so we would say probably these are the things that are the obvious problems rather than so these are problems there's the fix. famous epiglottis one right well there's, um, there's keep, yes yeah. what you mean that being next to your uh, your windpipe and yeah, your esophagus yeah, yeah, being yeah, next yeah. to each other yeah. and that causes change but also the the blind spot is another famous example of a kind of evolutionary workaround because our, our optic, well, and an inverted yeah, retina so. is quite a key one as well it's sort of the wrong way up and mm. apparently our sinuses are, the, are upside down as well. Are they? They should be draining downwards because our nose has got all squished up uh, over time. You know, our e- once elongated snouts, which were very useful mm. when you're a tree shrew, have turned into these little stubby noses. And mm. now our sinuses don't drain properly, which mm. is why we get an, uh, uh, too many sinus infections. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we carry handkerchiefs around. Right, exactly. Um and uh but no i was gonna so i think there, there's a lot of those things where they're kind of local optimizations where we're stuck because we can't get to the, a sort of better outcome without getting worse first we'd have to evolve our way through a period of, of okay. you know, so being a being a less effective creature of course we in this thought experiment here mm. uh we can get we can do that we yeah. can have the foresight to do that but i just wanted to ask the question though uh, first of all is what are we trying to achieve Right, we haven't really tackled that. What is the aim? Uh, do we want to design with the same aim as natural selection in mind, mm. which is well, basically, you know, is this going to breed? Mm-hmm. Can we maximise our effectiveness at breeding? Yeah. Um, or do we want, in fact, to do what natural selection doesn't do, uh, doesn't even try and do, uh, is make us happy? Do we want to design humans to be happier? Let's go for the second one. Well, okay. Well, in that I'm, case, we just all we would be is one giant pleasure center. Yeah, exactly. continually stimulating. Like, yeah, exactly. So this is there's a thing called but, wireheading, but not necessarily with any little kids coming. Along no, this is this but, exactly. Yeah. This is called wireheading, and this is the wireheading, wireheading um, which was this concept named by a, a sci-fi writer called Larry Niven, um, where. Uh, and apparently this is true. If you stimulate the pleasure center or whatever bit of the brain it is, um, you never get bored of it. You you, ne- it's, you don't get satiated or, or you don't build up tolerance to that. That's if you good. stick a wire straight into the brain. Well, is it? See, this, and this brings me on to, I think, another rule we need to put down, which is the sort of Chesterton's fence rule, mm. which is we need to be very careful that we're not sort of designing something in or removing something, which in fact has a hidden benefit and i would say the fact that we're not happy all the time actually does have this hidden benefit which is that it makes us do stuff like you know mm. it makes us do and i and so i feel like it, but it, it doesn't matter if you're happy no if you're just a blob pulsating blob of happiness yeah in fact hundreds what you do is you'd have hundreds you just you an organism would just be a big load of blobs of happiness which yeah. is just sit yeah. there being happy the I, whole time i think there's an, another interesting question we could try and explore is can we reconcile the two goals the kind of traditional classic evolutionary goal which is to procreate the species procreate that genome um with the with a more kind of high-minded human human goal which is to to improve collective happiness and not just happiness of the individual it's not just about that one individual's genome it's about some sort of egalitarian collective collective goal for the whole species i think that i think i think they're not necessarily mutually exclusive so we we have we we've evolved these complex behaviors, which means that we can start to cooperate and uh, and um, 
be, you know benefit each other as well as ourselves at the same time the question is how can, can we hard code some of that stuff into biology so that becomes sort of oh you know natural yeah i think this is a really interesting one because a lot of um a lot of the things that we think of as sort of well there's the prisoner's dilemma which is this sort of you know what you people can look it up but i mean it's the point is that it is this problem where, where you have individual incentives to do a certain thing because it gives you a, a, an individual advantage but if everyone does it everyone ends up worse off and the exact the kind of natural selection example that's always brought up is the peacock's tail where you know lady peacocks um find um male peahens. peacocks with big pe peahens find peacocks with big tails attractive and so peacocks male peacocks uh, you know evolve longer and longer tails until uh, and this sort of arms race that continued and and it, you sort of think well if all the peacocks could get together and say listen why don't we all just agree to all have short tails have and, a maximum you know, tail length, a yeah, standard tail yeah, length. Yeah, exactly. Then actually everyone would be better off because instead of wasting time growing these ridiculous stuff. And so, and I, but I think that, so Peter's uh, talking about like almost, could we, could we fix the prisoner's dilemma problems in society? So the problems that we tend to behave selfishly and, and you know, we, which, which causes all of these uh, tragedy of the commons type outcomes. Now, I, I wonder, though, if that's vulnerable to um, to my stipulation that it has to be physically possible, because the problem is that there is an incentive to evolve mutations mm. to start being selfish again. Yeah. So, you know, if we made everyone changed everyone's genes now mm. to make us all lovely sort of and nice to each other there would be a big incentive for someone yeah. to evolve a competitive advantage to, to be nasty yeah, yeah to be a scumbag yeah. didn't yeah. they make a film about that is it they the, made a the whole country of about lying it or something like that oh okay I feel I like there's a film yeah. there's an invention of lying where it's not positive yeah you're, 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 it's kind of similar territory yeah, yeah. I, I suspect my, my kind of ideal is vulnerable to fundamental economic type principles that actually that, that any any anywhere that there's a comp you can get competition you will get competition and that will undermine any kind of uh... but also i've just realized although i like this idea of just evolving into this you know happy blob the happiness blob that's yeah, your aim yeah. i like that but I, I, unfortunately it's it sounds like to me that because if you're going to prioritize happiness over um over fitness to pass on a on a gene then inevitably you're going to die out right and so you can never have eons well, of happy blobs well i tom probably knows more about the mechanisms but why do we have to age why do we have to why can't we just build in not aging mm. like why do we why do we yeah tom why do we die of natural causes like why can we design that out yeah fortunately again we would go to our expert here tom oh, that's a tricky one why do we um, have to die yeah, have you fixed aging well I think uh, at least at least when I was being taught, uh, I think there were various uh, you know lines of research going on into aging. Uh, I believe one of the most promising ones is uh, telomere length. Mm. So um, we have uh, DNA, as I'm sure that's you're right. Aware. Yeah, um, and we we replicate that DNA when our cells replicate and divide, um, and at the ends of the DNA we have these things called telomeres that don't really code any useful information. They're just kind of like capping sequences on the ends of the, the DNA. The problem is every time you replicate your DNA, they get a little bit shorter uh, because you kind of, the, the, the enzyme that, uh, or the, the protein that replicates your DNA attaches to the end and goes on from there. So the bit that it's attached That's to the bit we doesn't need to get fix copied. Then. Yeah, although, I mean, so this is like the timer. This is yeah, a timer. Essentially, you've got and like a fuse at the end of your DNA, 
and yeah as they get shorter and shorter uh or once they once they run out essentially you start losing actually that does seem really stupid uh well potentially yeah although uh, but 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 consider it what amazing thing the dna molecule is oh, i'm not taking it away from dna yeah. i'm not it's I'm got not this it's got this one DNA. fundamental it's, flaw which actually yeah. it's fixed by having telomeres you know, it's got actually this is a problem is it so we'll, we'll telomeres, add telomeres on to it do they to, stop it unraveling or something is that no they're just like it's just like a, it's just know, a so, sort of it's just like a flying lead that carries the information that the the the, the um to the ribosomes catch on to uh it's dna yeah more or less yeah things ending in a's they they grab onto it and that's where they grab the the bit that they grab is the bit that's sacrificed yeah the the bit bit that it grabs yes that's correct you attach oh a bit like a hand can't grab itself the telomeres intrinsically cannot replicate because there would have to be another telomere to grab it's like if you imagine you're mowing your lawn and your lawnmower cuts at the front of the lawnmower yeah if you put the lawnmower on your lawn and then start mowing, the bit that you put the lawnmower on will be uncut. Brilliant. Right? That, okay. It's a bit like that. So we think this actually might be quite a hard one to fix. But I, I, I well, thought... We, we, well, we could. We where, could if, we, if we could replace the way that the DNA... Replicate the way the DNA does it, say, in software. So you have some sort of artificial thing which spits out DNA molecules to allow cells to, to bifurcate. Um Rather than doing it with bio, rather than having biological machines do it, we could redesign the way that the, it's done in biology, or we have some sort of silicon way of doing it. Then we could we could make a replicator that doesn't trim the telomeres. Oh well, I, I I actually I did. There's an economic. Obviously, everything is about economics, and mm. there is. I heard a good economic argument about um, aging and mm. why actually things would die of natural causes anyway, mm. or why it's actually sort of optimal in a sense to do that. Um, and it's to do with this fact that there are you can die of external causes. So if there's such a thing as dying from an accident, then investing in the ability to live to 10,000 is a waste of time because, you know, well, the life, ex- as far as I understand it, the life expectancy of humans, if we didn't die of natural causes, mm-hmm. would be about a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, and that's just in the modern world. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot less probably if in the natural environment there's mm-hmm. far more things that can kill you and you can die of an infection and all of that so the point is there's no point in in making humans uh, uh you know robust enough to live for a thousand because you would die of an accident in the first hundred years anyway yeah I, that's quite an interesting yeah, thought yeah. but there's no reason we should be constrained by that in our redesign true so that being the case um we're already some way in actually in fact we're more than some way in we're towards the end um at this point, do we have something to add or do we want to, you know, set our minds to this task? OK, I was going to ask a question towards the end about, hey, what is it about your body that you would like to, to sort of engineer differently to have yeah. differently? That was a, a that's the question I was going to come on to at the end. But should that be the question that we should be asking right now? Um, or do we want to go about it a different way and say, hey, altogether, this is one thing that we think is a problem. Let's change this. Um, or do we want to talk about something else? Well, I, I think I, that's I, a good one. Which yeah. one, the latter or the? Oh no, just the whole thing. What are we gonna? You know, let's start suggesting modifications. I, I know something I'd want let's for have... the animal kingdom. Okay, so let's let's. I like the way if we personalise it, Tom. Okay, so if I could take one particular piece of physiology mm. from the animal kingdom and add it to myself, I would quite like uh, to take the the uh, visual abilities of uh, something like the mantis shrimp which 
humans have i think three um cones that let you see different colors mm -hmm. and the relative activation of those is how we see lots of different colors um but some animals such as the mantra and i think parrots have more as well mm. can see far more colors than us uh, into you know parts of the the electromagnetic spectrum that we can't perceive at all uh, and i think it would be really interesting to be able to see you know a, a, an unimaginable range of colors mm. over what we can see at i'd the settle for one more yeah i'd love that i'd love it if they if if i could just you know you suddenly oh here's a totally new color you know uh what does it look like is it a bit like red no it's not like red or green or blue or any of those ones it's totally different i'd love uh, that actually i'll carry out I would, I would love that, but only if everyone could have it, because I think the inability yeah. to describe it to someone would be yeah, torture. I was about to say, the, ch the charts that you produced in your analysis would become unintelligible to everybody else, yeah. because they'd be yeah. so subtly different colours. <laughs> Half of them would be invisible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them be invisible yeah. yeah, I wonder, it's an interesting The infrared line because... shows the growth in... <laughs> yeah, or, or would it though? Would it be, in, you, 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 would, you would potentially be a sort of a, 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 a genius or in the in the world of art or music but every, who's who's also mad and no one understands or or actually you just commit suicide because well, you're maybe just these, maybe these and no one visionaries. no one can see no one can literally mm. see what you're talking about mm. and yeah i like that one tom that's a good one nice you like the one that ends up in his untimely suicide <laughs> <and> depression <laughs> yeah Thanks. um uh, well the dangers of getting mantis shrimp eyes isn't yeah it? you don't think about that yeah 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 it's a bit this but actually i like that because it goes back to the aleph thing and it goes back to Borges with the with the man who what was it he, Funes he, the Memorius yeah who could what everything remember everything remember was it? everything yeah. it's that processing thing and yeah okay uh, Peter um, I've got a few ideas mm. so what one biological one and a technological one I I I am quite fascinated by um, the the central nervous system of things like octopus right they they have a very different central nervous system in fact it's not very centralized they have they have eight limbs, right? Well, they're not really limbs. They're, sort of, they're not in the way that we have limbs, but they're eight tentacles. Each tentacle has got its own brain. Oh, that is cool. And they've also got a central brain, which controls sort of the, the central side. What I'd like to do is be able to sort of splice that system in, into me so that I'd have multiple different brains. So you could, the central brain would still be kind of in charge, but it could sort of delegate thoughts to the other brain say oh, left, le left, left arm go and think about this problem for a bit right arm you concentrate yeah, you on making a cup of tea for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so you could just sort of you could just think about lots of different things all at once uh, what happens if one of the legs goes rogue and decides well, well, they, it wants to and they, do well they do that so they, the octopus will get will be sort of just minding his own business hiding under a rock and one of the arms will get bored and start exploring <laughs> and start <laughs> giving start a, punching itself and start giving stop hitting start, start giving away the animal and they, then the central brain goes oh get back here yeah. okay uh, Tom you were going to come in on that yeah I've actually got news for you Peter you do have a second brain Oh, well, I've got a second brain, but it's kind of in, had a in your belly. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. You're, humans have a very rudimentary version of something similar where we actually have uh, kind of independent neural activity in our guts yeah. uh, that is separate from our... I've heard about this, and I worry that it's conscious, <laughs> that it's another person who I can't communicate with, and it's got its own thoughts about what's going on inside. And it, all it wants is to get out. Well, what if it's, it might sit there speculating and thinking... Well, all, all I see in front of me is like the inside of a body. I wonder if there's like a person 
attached with thoughts. Nah, can't be. That's, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Outlandish like sort maybe, of thought. Yeah. Peter, you said you've got more. Let's keep going. Yeah. So, well, so, so, um, in the in the kind of in in the vein of the Elon Musk's neural link that he's sort of he's sponsoring and working on, mm. I it's a practical thing I quite like. It would be just an Ethernet port in the side of my head that mm-hmm. kind of is plumbed into my visual cortex and motor cortex. I wouldn't need to be able, I wouldn't need to stare at a screen anymore. I wouldn't need to type on a keyboard. I could just sort of think thoughts and they appear in a computer. And then receive information directly from. You wait till the pop-up ads start. That well, that's the, that's that, that's that's the greatest fear, I think, for anything <laughs> like this sponsored by corporate corporate sponsors. Is it's gonna just gonna it's just gonna tune adverts directly into your brain. Any more? Um, I did have another one, but uh, well, feels like well, you've developed. I can, a lot, pick, yeah. up. I can well, pick up. Well, well before you do, I've just got. World. Please do, because I've just got this horrible vision at the moment. I can't get out of of my head of 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 Peter like squirming away with a load of legs with brains in them and yeah. with a USB port going into his head. And it's, it's a great it's a horrifying vision, uh, Nick. So this one is actually, I think, simple fix, simple tweak, which could would have a massive impact on health worldwide. And it's, you know, and this illustrates actually the real limitations of natural selection. It doesn't solve problems that don't exist. And it solves the problem of there not being enough energy around by making you hungry. And making you desperate to go and find some food. And you'll stop doing everything and get that food, get that energy inside you. But we've never had an abundance of energy in the evolutionary environment. We've never evolved the ability to stop acquiring energy. Mm. And so, you know, hence everyone's obese now. Yeah. You know, uh, everyone, you know, a lot of people struggle with their weight. Or at least, (laughs) you know, it's clearly a big problem. So I decided that we need a new uh, sensation Mm. called unger which is like hunger, but it's the opposite. Mm. It's when you just don't need to eat anything because you, you're fat already. And, and so you, you, this is just something you, you, know, you would uh, at some point just naturally go into ketosis. Yeah. Um, you would start using your own body fat uh, and you just wouldn't want to eat for, until you got down to that sort of, you know, the right amount of weight. Hey, presto, right? We don't need to do dieting anymore. We don't need to get... Because people don't want to eat yeah, when, yeah. They're, when they're... So that, that, I think, is my number my number one. Yeah. Um, uh, I so, like... Just before yeah. you go on, I like that because, uh, I mean, it reminds me of something sort of like happens in the... Um, well, first of all, you've got that kind of stuff in Dune where they secrete stuff into them. The, the yeah. still suits. Yeah. And also it reminds me of... Um, who's the Scottish writer who died... Um, got two names ian m banks right when he's the m um and uh what's the name of the big the con- content what are they called the culture culture there you go and they're always secreting stuff into themselves oh, okay. um Great. and, and say so, boom that works because yeah you could take tablets and stuff but i like this sort of more sort of cyborg approach almost the, the, um the, i do have one more yeah i want to hear it but i think i think tom is going to come <laughs> in is going to piss on our chips again go on no i think uh, yours is a very interesting uh suggestion nick but as with most things here it's go. got knock-on effects, right? Because you mentioned go ketosis. On. Unfortunately, the brain can't uh, extract energy from the products of ketosis, um, which is why breakfast is the most important meal of the day, because you can't store enough glycogen for overnight, so you're always in ketosis by the morning, but you also have to break down protein to feed your brain. Right. 
So you'd still need to find a source of protein. So you might need to modify it slightly. Well, that, I mean, that's, look, we're not, I, you're I don't, down all if your I don't have breakfast, I'm not dead by lunchtime. So, I mean, clearly it's kind of working okay now. But I think the, the issue is that if you were in prolonged ketosis, you'd start experiencing muscle I, wastage. But you're, you'd factor then, you'd be like, okay, well, it turns out you need some protein. Yeah. And you, you need an egg. You'd, you'd get an urge to eat an egg and maybe an orange for the vitamin think, C, but you wouldn't. I think the, 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 the moral of my mini story here is that actually, like, biology is hard. It's really hard. You've got a, you've got so many balls in the air. Oh, to jump. Oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Let's no, move away from the naysayers. Just yeah, so, so I've got another with one. the negative vibes. I've got one more. Yeah, Nick. Um, so you know we're allowed to we're allowed to assume energy abundance. So I was looking into neurons. Mm. Not very hard. I mean, I didn't spend that long looking at it, but I found but some you interesting. It nonetheless. Yeah, uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm now a neuroscientist. <laughs> I um uh, it turns out well I, I read quite a convincing paper that suggested that um they were trying to back out or at least sort of work out what would be the optimal kind of firing rate and uh and um width of a neuron if you were to design it from the bottom up right what would be the, the and it turns out that how our neurons are as you might expect is the most energy efficient arrangement but I'm not looking for efficiency here I want effectiveness so now we've got all these things that we kind of actually are a bit weird like our head which has got our brain in it. I don't know if you know that, but it's got our brain in it. It's on this little sticking out of our of our body in a slightly vulnerable way. Whereas mm. you might think, well, why isn't the brain down here? And it's because the brain needs to be near it, the eyes and the ears so that it can react to threats. If it's a going. little bit like further this. away, keep going. So wireless wireless communication or or you know fiber optic nerves or something. I thought you could say something different. I I thought it was some sort of well, first um, of all, eyes and ears in your stomach. We put the of. no no that's mad. You need the eyes and ears on movable appendages. There's no doubt about that. But you have a stalk. But uh, yeah, a yeah. stalk. But the brain can be now safely housed with inside inside the chest cavity. But because of the fiber optic optic cables, it doesn't matter because you can now react at the speed of light to, to any stimulus. So so there we are. Brains in your chest and um unger. I reckon we should couple that with some kind of like armor plating, like tortoises as well. Yeah, that's a Every... all, all criticism of um of 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 uh greater greater apes is that we've got this very exposed underbelly because we evolved rib cages when we walked on all fours mm. and that gave us a sort of shell uh but now we've got this sort of exposed all our you know the genitals and your gut are highly exposed to attack yeah so oh, move yeah, the brain get, down there yeah. up armor it and, yeah. and have little eye stalks Re- definitely, regrowing definitely. regrowing eye stalks so if you walk under a low, low under a low doorway and you snap one off doesn't matter It'll, next week another one will sprout yeah yeah no, but definitely <laughs> definitely sticking the nuts inside this armor casing because that, that <laughs> yeah. you know it's the worst it's just terrible design isn't it yeah you know, um, um yeah yeah i remember challenging a biologist about that university and it's something to do with yeah bloody biochemistry and temperature yeah. that stuff has to happen so hold on I'm just fix to, that i'm trying to imagine this new aleph beast so it's it's got loads of arms and legs yeah, with their own, brain. their own brain it's got amazing oh, but, it's, but it's, all of those brains are housed in, in but parallel it's all housed inside, inside essential and but they've got fiber optic cables. and it's encased as well in this carapace sort of thing yeah um and what was your other one peter uh, oh, and, and it's got a USB download yeah. port or whatever, and, and so you can yeah, yeah and, and it doesn't and it, and it doesn't doesn't, a, doesn't suffer from obesity. Doesn't suffer. It's yeah. beautifully slim and sees the wonderful colours of the world. That, yeah, yeah, this is brilliant. I we don't need know to, about you, but I think I drew this, this aged seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> okay all right nice well there was the there was the question uh you know what's wrong with biology biology fixing biology boom half an hour we fixed it yeah redesigned humans from nice. the, from the literally from the bottom from the cloaca up yeah yeah <laughs> okay we're gonna stop there that was brilliant i loved that um thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast i'm fraser mcgrew we've been here with nick Hare, peter coggle and tom spence of aleph insights until next time goodbye